0: Welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast, episode number 33. My name's Phil, and joining me as always is Rohan. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And a big release this week, 0.77 came out, and uh, a few big features. It was so big that they released it midweek. So to join us this week to go through uh, the new release uh, is Paulus. Thanks for coming back on.
1: Yeah, good to be here.
0: So a big feature coming out of this release is the new auth system, which we will pick your brains about in a moment. But before we uh, tackle that beast, I think it might be worthy just to go through a couple of the other exciting features that have come out in this release. And the other big feature to come out in 0.77 is the Google Hangout support. There is now the ability for users to set up a notification platform with Google Hangouts so you can... Uh, both send and receive messages in Home Assistant. So if you use Google Hangouts, you can actually talk to Home Assistant using that new notification platform. So that's an awesome feature. Yeah, that's actually pretty uh, handy. I actually use uh, uh, Facebook Messenger just because it's what everyone in the house here has. But now that there's Google Hangouts, it's actually, I'm tempted to finally be able to get rid of Messenger and uninstall it from my phone.
2: Yeah, I I might give that a shot too. Some of the other new features, uh, we've also got the uh, NetAmmo underscore public sensor. So basically what what that allows you to do is you can expose in data from NetMO to Home Assistant, even if you don't have uh, a NetMO device. So you can use like r- live da- rain data right now. And then I think there's going to be more stuff coming in as well, right?
0: I really like the idea of this, like, because I, I, I always like looking at the devices and like, oh, that's cool. I could put a, a rain gauge in my house and then I'd have it into Home Assistant, but I don't like the price of those devices. So now yeah. if someone, if my neighbor's got something and they're exposing it publicly, I like that I can just use that public information now. So that's really cool.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I'm not sure what other things NetEmo can do. I, I know it is primarily a weather service, but... Hopefully, um, we can pull in more stuff from there later on.
0: Mm, I hope so, too. Ecovacs are now supported in Home Assistant too. another vacuum cleaner component. Always good to see.
2: Yeah. And uh, here's one of those, uh, in my opinion, niche ones. But uh, you can use, you can, they now have support for the NOAA Tide Sensor. So the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in the U.S., So you can find out tides and currents, things like that. That's actually kind of useful for people that live, especially along the coast
0: and stuff, right? Especially for surfers, which is a similar one added in a couple of releases ago.
2: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more from a safety perspective as well, right? To say, hey, you know what, tides are so on and so forth do X, Y, Z based on that, right? Turn the lights red. Hey, you know what? Be careful kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Based on the tides and currents and stuff.
0: Or what if someone's got a houseboat and they're using Home Assistant to automate their houseboat? Now they know what height their house is going to be at.
2: <laughs> that's, that's there too. I don't know what you're going to do with that information, but yeah, <laughs> I, I guess.
0: <laughs> There's also a few breaking changes. We're only going to do a, a couple of them uh, because there is a couple there that you should check out the release notes for but uh, Insteon uh, is being merged into a, so currently Instion is split into the uh, PLM and the local components. They're all being merged into a single Insteon component. It is a breaking change. I believe it's going to be around for a, a couple of releases yet, so you don't have to upgrade straight away, but be aware that if you are using those Insteon components, they are going to be removed in a future release. So watch out for that.
2: Yeah. So I, I think it's a good, uh, uh, let's call it slimming uh, effect for, for home assistant <laughs> as well, right? Rather than having yes. things in multiple places. And and and, Paulus, that seems to be that seems to be the theme kind of going across. And and you know, maybe maybe we can touch on that in a little bit. But it it sounds like you guys are doing quite a bit of that right now.
1: Yeah. So this change was a change because. We had two Insteon, like, normally all our integrations are based on, like, a brand or, like, a product line, right? Like, mm-hmm. Philips U is, like, an integration. But Insteon has been around for so long, so they have different protocols. And so what ended up happening is that there were two different libraries, one for their cloud protocol and one for their local protocol. And they yeah. uh, now they've been merged into one component because, at the end of the day, you control the same devices. So it had the same functionalities.
0: Yeah, sort of uh, removing the duplicated code. Yeah,
1: correct. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and, and simplifying it for the user at the end of the day, right? There's one thing to be said about the efficiency internally, but the other piece is also, hey, I have Insteon. It should work the same regardless. Like fr- From a user perspective, it should work the same regardless of whether it's PLM or local or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so I, I really like that. Another breaking change is the entity registry uh, YAML file has been removed. If you have, if uh, most people I know would be using or would have that in the background. Um, so it's now stored inside the dot .storage, which means uh, you shouldn't touch it and use the UI to modify the entity registry for that.
0: So that was a breaking change brought by you, Paulus. Is there a, a reason for it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got some comments are also in the forums like, hey, please keep Home Assistant configurable like through text files. Don't just do the user interface. And the reason we made this change is because when we store things in the storage folder, it is not meant to be edit- edited by users because every time we allow things to be edited by users, it means that whenever we read it in, we have to validate it because we cannot trust that it's stored in the correct format. Right. And so we created a storage helper and we've been migrating things to it because it really helps in like loading and saving data efficiently throughout Home Assistant and also helps in running tests. And so for this file, I feel like the configuration we want to have inside configuration.yaml or config entries. You know, both will be supported. But things like entities um, the problem is, is that we want to have it linked it up. Like there is going to be a device registry in the future. There are config entries, and we want to be able to say this uh, entity came from this uh, configuration piece, and these devices are linked to it, and these users have interacted with it. And to do all these things, we need to attach, for example, unique identifiers to each piece. Mm-hmm. But if the YAML mm-hmm. file is managed by the user, we cannot just read that YAML file and update it because comments will get lost or like, if they use like the uh, include constructors, like the bang include, to like include a second YAML file, that would be lost. Um, and so, by putting it just under our command, we are able to provide more advanced features in the future.
0: Yeah, right. So, one of the, the use cases for the entity registry YAML file is to choose your own uh, entity IDs, or to make sure that you know if you add a, uh, a Philips Hue light it always gets the same entity ID. I assume that feature will now be, you'll do that through the UI. That's still available now through the UI. Is that right?
1: Yeah, correct. So if you open an entity that has a unique ID, in the more info dialogue in the top right, you'll see like a cock, like the settings icon. Mm-hmm. And if you click on it, you can update both the name and the entity ID of that entity and mm-hmm. it will be applied on the fly. Right. That's that makes good. sense. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, some noteworthy changes in this release. Commands sent from the Amazon Echo will now be shown in the logbook. So if you're wondering who's turned on a light and or if you're wondering if your home assistant didn't uh, trigger that device, then you can check it out in the logbook as well.
1: Oh, well, cool. one note there is that although I did create a functionality to keep track of when Alexa sends a command, I did not build the functionality yet to show it in the logbook Ah. so (laughs) we're storing it in the database already so that's good um okay actually my i can tell you what my goal is with this feature is you know from running home assistant cloud i can uh, amazon gives me a dashboard of like what kind of commands are being sent from amazon to our users and 52 percent of all the commands that are being sent is actually amazon asking get state from the house of like from our users so they're querying for like the status of devices and It's not completely clear to me why they are doing this because I see even like they're trying to get the state of devices of people that are not uh, online right now. So it's really like they're just sending these commands. And so my idea was like, hey, let's just allow users to track usage themselves and just make it inside. You know, they want to so that people can see how much data Amazon is querying.
0: Ah, right. That's interesting.
1: And so I'm also planning to add this feature for. Uh, Google Home.
0: Okay, because Very it's all nice. using the Home Assistant Cloud, so it makes sense. Yeah.
1: Also, so- Lovelace has
2: a notification drawer now, so which is kind of nice. Uh, so all of your persistent notifications and cards
0: and
1: things like that
2: you can dump it all in there.
0: I'm really loving the Lovelace UI.
1: It, it's yeah. super exciting because we had a few things on our to do list. Uh, you know, like we want to make Lovelace the default user interface of Home Assistant. However, Home Assistant right now, it takes all your entities and kind of creates like a nice looking user interface for you. But Lovelace is the opposite right now. It's like, you have nothing. You have to add each entity like to a card or like. Yeah. And and so what was happening with Lovelace is that your notifications, your persistent notifications, your configurator notifications, were no longer being shown because you didn't know they were coming. So you didn't know the entity ID. So one of the steps of making Lovelace a default was, we need a configuration drawer. And so that's uh, Jared added this in this release. Um, And now the only uh, thing that's left for Lovelace to become the default is that we add a, and this is going to be a bit more complicated to add, but we want to have an automated uh, algorithm that when a new entity is discovered for the first time, it's automatically added to your Lovelace UI in a way that it makes sense. So kind of how we used to have the user interface automatically be generated and shown in, like, logical groups if you didn't have any groups to find yourself yeah we have to add it to your lovelace configuration in a similar sense so that you don't lose entities right like when you add philips u you want for example all your lights to be in your lovelace ui you don't want to have to add that manually um Mm -hmm. so that's going to be the last challenge that's like the last thing before we can make lovelace the official ui
0: nice okay that makes sense
1: okay
2: so that's cool so so is that is that to say then in the next few releases, we're going to see a switch of the default UI then?
1: I don't want to make any promises because there's like authentication still needs more work, uh, more polishing. Yeah. Um, there's like yeah. the, the context I was talking about with like the, the Google Home needs to be done. And so there's a lot of things that need to be done. And there's only so little time.
0: <laughs> yeah, as is life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so now we get to start the, the, the fun side of, of this episode, which is talking about the new authentication system. So with 0.77, we've, there's, there's a whole new authentication system. And special thanks also to Jason for his work on this as well. So mm. it's now, uh, and this is what uh, we've been talking about in previous episodes that we've, we've seen coming, We've we've seen contexts and all that being added is release notes. And it's finally here. It's now enabled by default. So can you tell people what they can expect with the new authentication system, Paulus?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So first I want to say that the authentication system that we released in this release was like the bare minimum of what an authentication system would be in Home Assistant. And we have like a lot more plans of like extending it and, you know, permissions or user-based user interface and all these like cool ideas that we can build on top of it. But right now, it really was the focus of just, let's do the bare minimum, which was already a lot of work, and see if we can ship it without, you know, breaking all the home assistant instances out there. Um, And so that's what we did. And it's been, uh, I actually did the release this week on Wednesday, because I was like, if I'm going to release this on Friday, and things go bad, then I'm, my whole weekend is gone. So... (laughs) You know, I, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's interesting because I used to release on Friday or Saturday because, you know, I was doing this in my spare time. And then in the weekend is actually when I had my home assistant time. But now That's that I right. work full time on home assistant, that has shifted, right? Like now um, during the week is where I spend most of my time on home assistant. And so yeah. I realized that this weekend I might actually move the whole release schedule to be like, you know, Wednesday based instead of Friday based
0: so will that be a, a new release schedule moving forward instead of the weekends we can now expect a midweek release for home assistant
1: probably i mean i still have to discuss this because i'm not the only person involved like pascal has to do all the builds and like validation of right, yeah. and stuff and so uh i you know it's not just me that does all the release work uh it's also like frank who usually helps out with all the documentation and Fa- fabian um so i have to like hmm. you know i have to coordinate this. But if, if, if people are down for it, then I would love to move it to Wednesdays. Nice. Authentication. Yeah, and so in this release, there's a few things that are now turned on and that will take over previous functionality for authentication that we had. So the old system was pretty simple. We had an API password that was optional and this was like a password that you could define and this password would be the password that you would send with every request to Home Assistant uh, and it that password would unlock full access for, you know, that request. So any change could be made with that password. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, we also had a trusted networks feature. And this was a feature that based on your IP address, you could whitelist certain people to always be authenticated. So not being asked an API password. So if you were at home, you could say everyone in my local network, if they are connected to my Wi-Fi, they can also access home Assistant. And so this old system... The biggest flaw of this system was if your API password, if you want to link an external application, for example, like OwnTracks or like a, an application that sends GPS coordinates from your phone to Home Assistant, you would have to give it your API password. So just to send location information from your phone to your local Home Assistant, you would have to give an application full access to everything in Home Assistant. Yeah. And then if that password ever gets leaked, then you would have to update every device that was using that password to make sure that like, they all have the new password now. And so this uh, was not a very good approach, <laughs> so to say. And so when uh, Ubiquity hired me in April, like the first thing they asked me to do is like, hey, let's get a user system. Like, you know, let's up our security. And so since April, and it's been like four months, uh, you know first started with like the architecture of the system and going back and forth inside the community, and then we've been building prototypes and we 've been like slowly like you know improving it, like updating the UI to work with it, and making it like opt in, uh, and then this release we made it uh, turned on by default, and so your new authentication system consists of various parts, and actually, the first part is not really part of the authentication system itself, but it's our new onboarding flow. So whenever you buy a new computer and you open it up for the first time, it will ask you to create an account for your computer to log in. And this will be the administrator yeah. account, right? It might ask you to set your time zone, these kind of things. And so this concept, we've taken to Home Assistant now. So the idea is that the first time you start Home Assistant, we will put you in an onboarding flow. It allows you to create a user and then... After this, you'll be redirected to the login page. In the login page, you can log in, which you just created user, and now you're inside Home Assistant. And so the onboarding flow allows you to create the user, and then the authentication system is actually, it contains multiple layers. You know, the base layer, of course, is users, so each user will get its own user, but also different integrations can get their own users. So, for example, Has.io has its own user, because it uh, makes the API available to the HESIO add-ons. And the idea is, uh, also with the context that we recently released, is that, hey, now you can see which HESIO add-on is using your API and when. Um, And in the future, even, if you would have permissions, you could say, hey, this HESIO add-on can only access to, like, publishing this data or uh, accessing this data. Right, okay. And then the authentication system is actually built out of multiple parts, so to say. And so the first part of our authentication system is called auth providers. And so the things I'm going to explain now as a normal user you don't have to change the configuration of your authentication. The default configuration will allow you to create users that are stored uh, with the salted passwords in your uh, configuration folder and it's safe by default. However, if you want to have more interesting uh, ways of authenticating yourself, you can build different authentication providers. And so one authentication provider that we already include is the legacy API password authentication provider. Mm -hmm. So the idea with this one is that you can log in using your API password again. So on the login screen, you can say, I want to log in with my API password. You type in your API password and you're logged into Home Assistant as before. Another authentication provider that we added was the trusted networks. So both API password and trusted networks were features that we offered before. So to limit the number of breaking things, we made sure that these uh, were available again in the new art system. Uh, and so with trusted networks, you go to the login screen, and if you are uh, part of the whitelisted uh, network, you can uh, pick the user that you want to log in as.
0: So would you be prompted for a password?
1: No. If so. You were- you're not prompted for a password if you're from a trusted network.
0: Okay, that's interesting. And you could log into any user if you're on a trusted network. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: So, so the idea behind that is to keep legacy support.
1: It, well, not only legacy support. Like the the reason we support trusted networks is because people were using trusted networks,
2: right? right.
1: And so actually now you can see these are the biggest complaints on the forums is that the trusted network flow is now slightly different. Where it used to be, you go to Home Assistant, you're immediately logged in. Now what's happening is that as trusted network, you go through the login flow, you have to click login, and then you're back at your user interface. Um, I mean, this is a feature that, you know, people want to have. And so this is a feature that we will provide. It's it's definitely not enabled by default because it's, you know, if misconfigured, It can uh, be a big uh, security leak. And so, but auth providers are super flexible. So in the future, we could also uh, allow you maybe to log in with your Google account or with your Facebook account or these kind of things. Like anything that can provide authentication of your identity can be uh, in the future hooked into Home Assistant. And for example, the nice thing, if you would uh, link to a cloud provider, is that if you forget your password, you can reset your password with your cloud provider. And so that would then allow you to recover your account.
0: Ah, um, of course.
1: Because right now we don't have any account recovery options locally because we don't know how to reach you, right? Like we, yeah, have, we don't yeah. have an email or anything. We don't even have an email server for outgoing email.
2: Interesting, okay.
1: Um, and so the second part, so this is auth providers. Um, and the way we, the, we have three auth providers and the normal users in the home assistant with passwords, API password and trusted networks. And right now, the default authentication providers is based on your configuration. So, by default, the username password of provider is turned on. If you still have an API password set in your configuration file, we will enable the legacy API password provider. And for this API password provider, we actually make some special things in Home Assistant. So, you will still be able to access the API as you did before with an API password. However, we will print a warning saying, you should migrate to the new auth system. And then if you have trusted networks configured uh, previously under the HCP component, that too will now be uh, uh, enough to trigger the trusted networks auth provider. And so this, that, mm-hmm. that's auth providers, but then there's also multi-factor authentication modules.
2: Ooh, and this sounds-
1: Interesting. Yes, it sounds uh, complicated, but the idea is uh, maybe you guys notice from like the Google where you can have like a two-factor authentication. Yeah. And so with Google, you can, the two-factor authentication means that you log in with something you know, your password, and something you have, like your phone or like a, a key that provides like a code. And so with multi-factor authentication, you can enable that two-factor part. So by default, we only now have uh, time-based uh, one-time passwords included. And so this means that if you once you're logged into Home Assistant, Normally you can go to your profile page and the profile page is if you open the sidebar, it's the, the batch with your initials in it on the top of the sidebar. And if you scroll to the bottom of the profile page, there's like multi-factor authentication. You can enable uh, the TOTP. And so you need like an, an application on your phone. Uh, One, uh, there are two very popular ones. One is called Google Authenticator. And the other is called Authy. And with either app, you can scan the QR code that Home Assistant will present you. And then you have to fill in the code to show that you've uh, successfully stored the, the one-time password generator code on your phone. And the next time you log in, after you finish your normal auth provider phase, it can either be the API password or the normal username password, we will ask you to fill in your, uh, your code. And then you have to open your phone go to the Google Authenticator app, click on Home Assistant, and you'll see like a one-time code. And then every 30 seconds or something, uh, the code will change. So it's based on the time. And so this means that it's very secure because even if somebody would steal your username and password, they will be unable to log into your uh, system without uh, having access to your phone as well.
0: Mm, That would be good for people that are exposing Home Assistant over... Uh, a public uh, uh, web server. So if you're getting people hitting it from outside of your network, trying to log in, It's a good way to make sure it's got that extra layer of security. Yeah, no, definitely.
1: Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep. thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app?
0: Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does
1: that actually add up to anything?
0: I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now.
1: Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out any right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. And you know the cool thing is with this multi-factor authentication is that it you know it's part of Home Assistant and so we can do a lot of cool stuff. So uh Jason uh Awarecan on uh, GitHub who has been doing a lot of the authentication stuff helping me out. He is now uh already has a pull request up to send a one-time password using a notify service in Home Assistant uh to your phone. So you cool. know you cool. can even use the new Hangouts integration or Facebook Messenger or push bullet, whatever notification service you have, we can send a one-time password to your uh, phone.
0: Oh, that's smart. Nice.
1: Okay. And then, you know, we, but anything is possible. So one thing I, you know, we did some brainstorming the other day and one that came up that I thought was really cool is that if you have a face detection uh, going on with like a camera, then if, you know, you could have the, the multi-factor authentication pass if your face is detected on the camera.
0: Ah, oh, nice. That's cool.
1: Yeah. So that yeah, very that true. one we we didn't write it yet, but that's something that would be pretty easy to write.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to hear how people can sort of once you put the the seed in people's mind of you know here's a multi factor authentication, they go well, hang on, we've already got you know face detection over here. Why don't we integrate that? And of course, it makes sense. So,
2: Paulus, is there is there any um, any way like so, for example, with the mobile app and things like that? What's what's going to be the go to method? So um, and and I admittedly, I haven't played with the uh, mobile app yet when it comes to uh, when it comes to op- updating it and and trying it out with the new uh, auth system. You know, is, is that also going to be doing the whole username, password? And then what's your one time password if you have that configured or, you know, maybe you have some other kind of single sign on provider, like like you said, Google or or Facebook or something like that. Uh, is is a plan for those kind of uh, alternate UIs or, or mobile applications, things like that. Those also use that as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. So our whole authentication flow is, uh, you know, we didn't invent our own authentication flow. Uh, that would be silly. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Pro- probably pretty insecure. So we use uh, what's called OAuth two. Yep. Which is a yep. mechanism of that you send your users to their Home Assistant instance, they are presented in their own user interface. They enter their username and password through a browser in, directly into their own instance. And if the username and password are correct, the user is then redirected back into the application together with a, a code that can be one time exchanged for an access token and a refresh token. And right. so, the the uh, for example, the Home Assistant iOS application, they're already working on adapting to this system uh, and they actually already have a test version working with the new uh, authentication of Home Assistant. So the moment you you type in your Home Assistant URL, you click login, you open a browser, you do your normal flow, username, password, one-time authentication code, um, and then get redirected back to the app. The app will download the tokens, and then the app at that point in time can start communicating directly with the Home Assistant instance, so it can uh, start sending a location uh, not- uh, reports. Mm-hmm. And then the, we're now actually, I just opened the PR for this, uh just before this call. Uh, I'm working with the iOS uh, people to allow when they open the home assistant front end on the instance that they can say, hey, you're actually embedded in the iOS app and we have an authentication token for you so that the front end will not try to make their own connection and get its own token, but instead will ask the iOS app, give me your token. And in that way, make a connection.
0: Right. Oh, so that way people don't have to log in twice.
1: Exactly, it will be a completely streamlined uh, solution.
0: That is very cool.
1: And then the nice thing, because this is all standardized, is that I actually made the core piece of the home assistant front end that powers the home assistant front end to get the token, uh, get redirected back, and log in, make a WebSocket connection, and uh, you know, and stay subscribed, like automatically reconnect when the server goes down, mm-hmm. automatically get new access tokens when the access token expires, all that logic. I made a very small JavaScript library that people can use. And then if you use that library, you could literally start writing your own home assistant user interfaces. In like, I made an example in less than 50 lines of code. Wow. That's awesome. Okay.
2: That, that was going to be my next question. So that's, that's awesome.
1: So what I want to do, because we like, you, you see all these projects going out, like, HA dashboard, home assistant home panel, or all these kind of like cool applications. But all these people, you know, it's, if you need to, if all these people have to implement their own authentication and WebSocket, that might be cumbersome. Instead, these people should not have to worry about this. I want them to focus on building cool stuff that they can mm. share with the community.
0: So I guess that would be, because I'm thinking uh, there's a lot of people that are using Node-RED without integration and to hook that up into Home Assistant, you just have to supply, if you're using the API password, you would have, in Node-RED, you'd have to specify the API password. Does that mean uh, in the future, people may have to request an access token to replace the API password?
1: Yeah, yeah. So right now we give a refresh token and an access token, and the access token is only is what you need to access Home Assistant, but they're only valid for 30 minutes at a time. And whenever they expire, you need a refresh token to get a new access token. And the yeah, refresh but... token will not expire. And so right. for Node-RED, it's not a one-on-one replacement for the API password because it means that, hey, every 30 minutes, Node-RED would have to get a new access token. And so right. it will depend on applications. Uh, so for Node-RED, if we are unable to get Node-RED to authenticate with OAuth, with Home Assistant, then the alternative is going to be, this is uh, something that we still have to add, is long-lived access tokens. So a long-lived access token is a token that has full access to your instance that will not expire, like it will not expire for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then that access token, you will then paste where you used to paste your API password in Node-RED, and then it will just work the same as before,
2: right? Right. And then would that be something like a user-based API token, things like that? So I'm I'm, I'm comparing it to like how Google uh, Google does it, right, where they have their uh, kind of individual application-based tokens uh, that are more longer-lived, and then they have their uh, more or less their SSO front end, right? Uh,
1: yeah. So these tokens would still be connected to a uh, user. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And, that, and that's great because that means if a certain user, you know, sets up an automation or is using, like, Node-RED or is using some other interface, the logbook will still be able to attribute the changes to the right person. Right. Right.
0: So with the 0.77 release, uh, when you first log into Home Assistant, you'll be going through that flow, as you mentioned before, setting up the admin user. There's then also the ability to add normal users, uh, which don't have the ability to create other users, I believe. Is there any uh, sense of roles in this release? So, or permissions that you, we can restrict? You know, a user from being able to access this tab or turn off on automations. Is that in, available in this release yet? Uh,
1: there's no. Well, there's no real sense of permissions. The only difference is that we have owner accounts, and so they the owner account is the one you create during your onboarding. Uh, and this owner account right now, the only extra rights that it has is that this account can make other users so it can manage the users and yeah, yeah. if you go through a normal user you cannot manage users in the future we want to start restricting more um i think the first step is just going to be restrict more things to for the owner account so for example the owner should be able to configure integrations through the user interface but a, a normal user doesn't have to right like a normal user really just wants to interact with the system and not build up the system with like, hey, let's set up Philips Hue or something like this.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but in the future, I actually wanna go to a more fine grained permission model where like you could say, for example, this user only has access to this room, for example, like these devices in this room. And the ideas could be, for example, if you are renting out a part of your house, you could have given that person only access to that part of the house right and so they can control those lights but they cannot change your thermostat for the whole house
2: right yeah exactly yeah that's great for if you're trying to do like a guest mode or something like that or have like maybe a tablet in like a guest bedroom or something right so you can say hey you know you can't turn my bedroom lights on at three in the morning yeah good for share houses yeah
1: yeah so that i mean that's those things are all planned but you know, we it's it, like I said, there's a lot of things that are planned.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah is is there is there an uh, is there an API uh, backend essentially to the to the auth system? So for creating users and removing users. So I'm what I'm thinking is like maybe somebody that does uh, like a home rental service or something like that, like something similar to like an Airbnb or something like that, right? Where you might have different people coming in and out like like if if i can say okay you know what bob is coming in on monday and alice is coming in on wednesday i can use an api and basically script a user account for bob and then remove that and then on wednesday morning or whatever script a user account for alice and like like that that kind of a
1: yes we have a little api i mean we we made the bare minimum api just so that we could create a user interface for the uh, the owner user to manage the users yeah um it's all yeah. It's WebSocket-based right now. Um, and we also have a command line client, actually. It's like a oh. uh, a script oh. that is embedded inside the Home Assistant uh, CLI command that allows you to manage the, the users, okay. the username-password okay. combos. Okay, that that's could be an interesting
0: cool. use case. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. But, you know, if, in the future, if we... You know, if if somebody would contribute an API to, like, you know, the fine-grained management through, like, a REST API because they want to create these kind of scripts, then, you know, that that makes sense, right? Like, that was something that will be accepted. Neat.
0: Okay. Over the past couple of uh, releases, we've been talking about uh, context and user tracking. Just to confirm, is that available today in the UI? Can I log in and see which user or what integration turned... Uh, it triggered an automation or is that still something that's coming along?
1: It's still something that's coming along. Um so we already store it in the database. So that's good. So once the system comes online you'll be able to go you know through your history and see who did what. But of course only this release we have actually users, right? So before this, if you had no user, no user was added to the context. I think the biggest one when it comes to context there's like three things that still need to be done. Two on the back end. Uh, both automation and scripts do not propagate their context. So if you if a user triggers an automation, all the commands that flow out of that uh, automation will not be attributed to you. The second one is scripts. Scripts don't do uh, context yet. And the third is the UI, like the logbook, which has been very bare bones for a very long time, is not updated at all to support this yet. So I guess each entry might get like, a reference to a user maybe that was involved or something like this. I don't know yet.
0: Right, makes sense.
1: If there's a designer listening to this podcast and they want to help out build a kick-ass logbook for Home Assistant, hit me up on Discord, please.
0: There you go. Yeah, we will facilitate that chat out, of course.
2: <laughs> yeah. So okay, and and just to remind everybody, the the authentication system is uh, now enabled by default when uh, That's when you right. upgrade. So.
0: So watch out for that,
2: uh, yep. as of zero point seven seven, you will be
0: using a username and password, hopefully. So
2: that's uh that's in in my opinion, this is a very, very good change. so
0: yes, definitely removes that uh, the one password shared amongst everything. So, great move,
2: yeah, especially for people exposing this externally. this is a pretty, pretty nice uh, security thing to have, I guess,
1: yeah, this definitely so, should give people more peace of mind to, you know, maybe expose their instance externally or allow guests to access home Assistant. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's a, it's a good change.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And, and it, it's funny. Uh, I, was, I was telling Phil this. So a couple of weeks ago I got kind of impatient. And so in, in the, before what I used to do is with my home assistant that was exposed externally, uh, I used to have uh, SSL based uh, client authentication, right? So, Hey, your laptop needs to have the client the, Your you uh, cell phone needs to have a certificate so on and so forth and when my search expired and stuff I, like i knew i knew i was going to run into this eventually when the certs expire and it was just such a pain and i was just like all right you know what so now what i've started to do is i've started front ending everything with uh with azure sso so anything externally facing is all all azure exposed now where i have to sign in first with azure so but and uh, then
0: i assume you use like a, a trusted network to then just say okay that network's fine to let me in
2: um yeah so actually internally for me uh i actually use uh nginx as a reverse proxy to front end everything so mm-hmm. in in nginx i basically have anything coming from outside has to go through so again i use i use cloudflare uh as my dns provider and such so anything going through cloudflare is well anything coming externally has to go through cloudflare which then hits my auth system and then Deny anything else, and then if I'm coming from specific subnets internally, then then it won't prompt me. But I, I can actually force it to prompt me then if I wanted to as well. But mm-hmm. the the way I have it set up is just it's external only.
0: Nice. Yeah. Uh, are there any updates to Home Assistant Cloud, Polis That we should be worried about? Uh,
1: well, I extended the I extended the subscription the Open Beta till uh, October first. Okay, And I'm still working on uh, on building it all out. And uh, I hope this year <laughs> the open oh, well, beta will end.
0: Well, it's been working great here. I'm loving my Amazon Echo integration. It's yeah. just been so much more streamlined with Home Assistant Cloud. So thank you for your effort you're putting into that.
1: And in the meanwhile, what we've been doing on the front end of Home Assistant itself is that we've been... Uh, migrating how we communicate with the backend all going over our websocket uh, channel and so what i'm planning for home assistant cloud is that i want to be able to make a remote user interface like host a remote user interface of home assistant that can connect through the home assistant cloud with your instance just through the websocket channel and just show a full user interface however because I don't want to see the data of the users. I'm uh, planning to build a system. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys used WhatsApp web? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, WhatsApp encrypts all the messages when it sends your friend. When if a friend sends you a message on WhatsApp, it's like encrypted with your key. So only your phone can decrypt it. But then for your phone, we'll set up a secure channel with your browser through like the Facebook Cloud by scanning that QR code. That QR code is only between the browser and your phone. The cloud doesn't know about it. And so at that point, your phone can send encrypted messages to your browser without any intermediary being able to inspect it. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea that we want. I want to add to Home Assistant Cloud where you will be able to set up a user interface on your laptop or on a, an app anywhere in the world. And it goes encrypted through the cloud to your local instance.
2: Very cool. Now that is awesome. Yeah. And, and, and obviously that'll be an opt-in, not an opt uh opt-out function coming with the home assistant cloud yeah so yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah so for for everybody freaking out there going whoa cloud
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it will be protected right like you have to log in with your home assistant yeah. cloud username and password you have to scan some qr code between your browser and your instance or something like this
2: yeah
0: very nice so i like to stalk you on reddit Polis. <laughs> Back in April, you uh, replied to someone that was uh, commenting on the Home Assistant versioning and you said, we'll probably drop the zero when the the users have been added into Home Assistant. Does that mean we can look forward to removing the zero in Home Assistant soon?
1: Um, This comment has been... I made this like a long time ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, back in (laughs) April. I have a long memory.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I guess, I mean... I think we should soon get to like a 1.0. Like, I mean, we keep adding features and we keep, you know, I feel like, you know, is the system, you know, is it done? Never, right? Like we'll always keep adding stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Is
0: the house ever finished being built? No.
1: Yeah. But are (laughs) we at a place where I'm like, yeah, maybe we should tag 1.0? Probably. Uh, I'll I'll put it on my list.
0: (laughs) Oh, excellent.
2: There, there, there you go leave it leave it to us to uh to stalk you on uh on, on reddit paulus and call you out
0: on stuff you
1: say
0: we'll keep you honest
1: <laughs> well we could also just wait i mean we're at version 77 now i mean once we had version 100
0: it's true <laughs> well paulus thank you very much for joining us and coming on and explaining the new auth system uh it's yeah a very big change and we are we think it's a a step in the right direction for Home Assistant. So thank you to you and everyone else that's been putting all the the hard work into Home Assistant for it.
2: Yeah, it's just awesome.
1: Yeah, it's been great being on. And uh, I also want to just thank all our beta testers and all the people that have, like, worked on the authentication system and making it backwards compatible and, like, thinking about the architecture and all that stuff. It's been, I think, you know, Four months or something that we've been working on this, and a lot of people have been involved and a lot of people have been testing it out. Also, people doing like security audits and stuff. And so, yeah, I'm very happy uh, where we got there today. I want to thank everyone that was involved.
0: Well, it's a big project for Home Resistance, like four months to considering that we're on a two week release cycle. This isn't just a little component that was added in. This is a big fundamental change to Home Resistance that required a lot of discussion and planning. So, I think, yeah, hats off to everyone for pulling it off definitely and
1: to be honest i think we're only halfway with authentication now now that we have it like released to the people now we can start you know facing out older support and like these kind of things
0: yeah exactly yeah awesome well thank you very much
1: oh well, i think uh, that about wraps up this episode so
2: thanks everyone yeah cheers cheers cheers, cheers.